0: All right. Well, I'm glad you guys are here with us this morning to worship the Lord and to hear His Word. Priest, I pray that you didn't come to hear Matt. You come to hear from the Lord, because you came to hear from Matt. You're going to be upset this morning. Uh, him and Katie's on a little trip, and uh, just up uh, being prayer with with me for them that they would just have a restful time. I'll tell you, uh, getting up here and preparing uh, for this this past week and thinking through this—it's a lot, right? Uh, we open up God's Word. It's a big deal, but anyway, my name is Brent Bolton. For you who may not know me, and I'm the family pastor here at Wellspring. Uh, I oversee all the kids ministry. So if you check your kiddos in, you've probably seen me up top. Uh, my wife, Deborah, she uh, oversees the nursery area. So if you checked in a baby, uh, you've you've met her as well. Uh, she's a English teacher at uh, China Spring here at the middle school. And so, yeah, we're just glad to be here, uh, be part of what God's doing. Uh, we moved here because uh, uh, God brought us here to plant the church, but we do have a grown daughter here. We have three grown daughters and two granddaughters, which if you'll catch me later, I'll get some pictures. I try to get them on the screen, but they was like, no, it's not about you. It's not about your grandkids this morning. It's about the Lord. So, right? Amen. So, yeah, uh, Matt has done an incredible job. I think he does... Uh, a great job teaching and preaching the Word of God. Um, I think he uh, articulates well what what the Scriptures is trying to do and say to us, and that's what I want to do this morning. Uh, so, yeah. So if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in First Peter. Uh, chapter two, I'm going to finish first, uh, first, Peter, put your finger there and then hit Galatians uh, two. So we got two little spots. I'm going to start with us this morning, but just to kind of back up and give us a recap. Uh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible and, uh, there's Bibles on our connection table, so you can grab one of those. Cause I'd love to see you in your word this morning. But if you, uh, say, Hey, I got a Bible, but I didn't bring it. Get grab one. Uh, but you say, hey, I want a Bible to give away to a friend, maybe a neighbor or some a co-worker. They're, they're gifts from us to you guys. So you're welcome to, to grab a book, grab your phone, iPads, whatever you got. So uh, anyway, just the recap of where we're at so we need to know about the group of people we're talking about, mostly Gentiles right, uh, that the letter's been uh, spread out over Asia Minor it's, it's been written by Peter who sends it out to the churches saying, here's some things that we need to really do as Christians because we're trying to bring glory to God we're trying to make known His name throughout all the world, right that's the Great Commission and so he's, he's in writing an encouraging letter. I know Matt said last week, well we don't know if this is really encouraging maybe feel like a beat down. Uh, sometimes that's a good thing, right? That we're beat down by the word, but we know that the spirit of God lifts us because the truth in those words, if we apply them to our life, gives us life. Amen. And so he's, he's writing this letter, telling the people, uh, here's some things that you need to put away. Here's some things you need to start becoming. Uh, I think that's all of our Christian life. Like there's things we can lay down. There's things we need to start doing uh, to, to honor the Lord. So I made a statement that this is probably some Gentiles that he's talking to. Uh, so when we come to church, we sometimes we, if you're from a church background, you 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 think everybody understands everything that's being said, either from the, the pulpit, from the stage, from wherever, uh, that that's just an understood thing. Well, as Gentiles, they didn't know all the things, right? They weren't just had background of God's people under the law, knowing the things of God and understanding the priest and the royal priesthood, how this is all working. They are just people who had just really came in and given their life to Christ, trying to figure it out. Uh, but we we picked up in in the first chapter, 1 Peter 1 14, Peter talked about your former ignorance. So that's what he was telling uh, Gentiles, the former ignorance. And then he goes on in 18, your you need to lay down your feudal ways that you've inherited from your forefathers. So that's another sign. And then Matt talked about three different things uh, last week, kind of honed in on those, right? Uh, put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. And, and this could be for a lot of things. We can't, uh, um, I, I think, project on these group of people that this, this letter is being written to what, what was really going on. But we know all these things are in our life. These are things we need to put down. These are things that we need to do away with, and we need to start uh, living according to God's Word. So, as we get started this morning, I want to start in Galatians uh, 2.20. I think this is a really good um, recipe uh, for what we need to be doing, right? As Christians, what does it mean to be in Christ, right? Right? uh we i thank you Thomas for just that reminder that that all the things that God's done for us uh we we just got through singing about it we got through talking about it but galatians 2:20 says this if you have it look at it uh it's good to mark in your bible this is a good one i've been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ lives in me and the life i now live in the flesh I live by the faith, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So let's, let's think about it today. If we're going to live our life, we're going to live it in Christ. Our, we've died to our old ways. We've died to the fleshly desires in our life. I know that's our default, right, to always go in the flesh, always run to the flesh, always run to the things of the world. But as a Christian in Christ, we should run to him and run to his things. And this is some of the things that Peter's going to tr- start telling us today as we start to open up the Scriptures today. So you can flip back over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we're going to finish. We're going to start and finish uh, uh, where Matt left off last week. So I just asked a few questions. Do you feel like this? Answer yourself. Don't look at your spouse. Don't look around and think about someone else. Do you feel like your life is being lived in a in a in a sense that I've been crucified with Christ? It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Think about yourself. And, if, and if, that's tr- if that's not true about you, why not? Why are you not living that life? Is it just stuff got in the way? Is it just like you got burnt by something? You feel like God doesn't love you? You feel far away? You feel like there's too many sins? Or like you maybe say this morning, I don't even know if I'm in Christ. I don't know if I really have surrendered my life and died to myself. So those are all good reasons why you're not living according to this scripture we just read. I've been crucified Well, let me ask you another question this morning as we get into the the passage. What would people that looked at your life, what would they, how would they summarize your life? What would they say about your life? If they painted this picture, this blank canvas, and they started painting your picture of your life, what would it look like? So those are some things to think about because, listen, in in our day-to-day life, we need to realize, man, the things of God matter the way we live our lives matter right so i was preparing for this and getting my notes and all the things together and and i was looking through this and uh you know austin rose said hey man may borrow your notes i'll make the stuff get some some material for our community groups and get all that stuff together and i was like yeah dude and this that, that that thought was like i don't know if i can stay with these notes because is anybody done this you've you've had that shower moment you're taking your shower anybody get spoken to the lord in the shower I mean, it's not a bad place if you do, right? Uh, we're not all on our holy uh, stools or pillows or whatever we do, and, and the Lord speaks to us, and we're just in this room waiting, right? We're just and this morning I was like, God, wh- why? What, what 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 about this passage? Are you trying to say I got my notes, I got my stuff, but I can abandon all that if you if you want to go a different way? And I, why would we need these things? Why why do we have to continuously be reminded of the way we're supposed to submit to people, our, our husbands and wives, and to authorities over us, and especially you, God? And this is the thing that I feel like the Spirit of God said to me: It's a trust issue. When we trust people, you'll do what they ask. Most of the time, I've noticed just in this room today the things we've asked you to do, you've done it. We've asked you to stand, we've asked you to sit, we've asked you to take communion, we asked you to stand for prayer, we asked you to pray. And you just did that, why? Because you believe in what we're doing. You believe in what God's doing. You trust the people that's asked you to do those things. And I think we live in a culture that we always think that someone's working an angle on us. There's always something, right? It can't, be that, it can't be that easy. It can't be that true. It can't be that simple just to, just to die to ourselves daily and, and live for the Lord. It just can't be. Like, what angle, right? And then I thought to myself, why, why do I do these things? And then I got to thinking, you know, you always want to be a humble guy when you come stand on the platform, right? If you don't, then you're in trouble. So in, in, in my humility, telling the Lord, hey, I don't think that I'm worthy to be here today. Thank you for the opportunity. And I'm really glad to be here, God, but I'm not worthy. And as I got to thinking about this, man, I'm, I really realized I, ain't, I am not worthy. can't say, I ain't. I'm not worthy, right, to be here. Because all these things, even my personality test, we take personality tests to kind of work together as a staff. Anybody do those at your job? Some people do that. So my personality, the person, my personality test says, don't tell Brent what to do. He don't like that. <laughs> it's just that simple. Don't tell me what to do. We'll get along. And then I got to thinking about that. Man, my mom and dad, they own their own businesses. And I pretty much got out of school and I was like, I don't need nobody telling me what to do. I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm not going to college. I don't want the people to tell me to study or read or this, you need to do this. I just went to work, you know? And I realized like, man, I've been living this whole life of don't tell me what to do. i figured it out. Um, and then I realized, man, really the only degree I got out of high school was my BS degree and it, it only goes so far, right? It just goes so far, and and then you realize, man, you're in trouble. What do we we need at that point? And this is the place I think Peter, Paul, all the ones who wrote the New Testament, the, the, the letters that went out and what we're going to look at today, this is who we go back to. we we got to give ourselves over to this supreme authority figure in our life, Right? So let's do a little theology lesson, okay? And I'm not going to go all Bible scholar on you because if you know me, I can't do that. I don't have the ability to do that. But here's what I can do. I can make it simple. If you're a simple-minded person today, you should understand all the things I say, okay? Here's what. What does the word sovereign God mean? Because that's a, that's a that's really a theological thought we've been singing about this morning we've been talking about this morning and really as a Christian at some level we believe that until something doesn't go the way we think God should do it then we're not sure that He's in control right but here's what sovereign God means He's in control of everything nothing ha- happens outside of God He is the ultimate authority of everything. Uh, Psalms 115.3 says it like this, our God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. So this is this guy he's wanting, we're wanting to give our lives over to. So now, I think it was Tim Keller. I don't know who to give credit to. I should do better homework. It's, I know that I, I did not come up with this, okay? But here's a better way to look at it or a, a good practical way to think about it. Ready? If you write, here's something, write it down. There's nothing that comes into our lives so there's nothing that comes into, you, in your life or my life, okay? Good or bad, those are two words that are important, good or bad. There's nothing that comes in our lives that's good or bad unless God causes it or he allows it. And it's always, you, you capitalize these words, it's always for his glory and our good, always. That's the sovereignty of God working out. Now, we can all say yes and amen to that. uh, But here's the thing. We we usually say that when things are really going good. God's such a good God. God's in control. God's doing these things. But when something goes bad, what do we say? Where's God at? Does he love me? That can't equal love. Some of y'all are going through difficult things right now in your life. Uh, we had a had a person this morning that walked up to us and said, "I just feel like there's just a, there's a just a heaviness on my heart from the Spirit that there's that people are they're struggling with some difficult things today. So if that's you know that if you're in Christ, Christ is bringing these, God's allowing these things to be there. He's causing them to be there. Why? Because He's trying to make you into the person He wants you to be." It's not because he's trying to punish you. That was all put on Jesus, right? That's the gospel message. He put it on Jesus. He's not trying to bring punishment on you or condemnation on you. He's really trying to bring hope and life to you today, this morning, whatever it is you're going through, right? So there's nothing that comes in our lives, good or bad, unless God causes it or allows it. And it's always for his glory and our good. So I had a former student. I did student ministry for, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 years. I don't know. It was a long stint. About 8 years of really incredible years. God did great things. I mean, uh, Matt, is, he was a part of what God was doing in, that, in those 8 years. He was, a student, he was a student intern. I guess that's the word you use. Uh, he came in and did some music, uh, did some college teaching, moved on to another church, moved around. and God has done a great work in those 8 years. But in this, these students would leave, they would graduate, and they'd go to college. You know, you know the statistics. They leave the church. They leave their faith when they go off to college. Well, some of the reason is all the way they're bombarded with these things, they weren't prepared. They didn't talk about these things, sovereign God and the good and the bad. It's all because of God. Nothing else is controlling that. We say, oh, Satan's after me today. Well, good, good news. God's defeated him. He's not bigger than God. Greater is he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world, right? So all those scriptures get burned in our our hard drive. But man, sometimes you get there and you sit down and you feel alone. My daughter actually called one day and said, Daddy, why does everybody hate Baptist? I didn't know they did. Well, apparently they do. Uh, everybody thinks I'm crazy, you know, the stuff I'm saying. Um, but the students reached out to me. She said, I, I had a professor tell me today, and it's supposed to be a Christian college, said to me, and, pro, and, said, and claimed to be Christian Professor said um, that God is in heaven, just like we read, and he does what he pleases. But at the moment, since Jesus walked the earth, lived a perfect life, died sacrificially, and rose the third day, went to heaven to be with God, they're just chilling. They're just in heaven doing their thing. Whatever it is they do in heaven, Whether they put their feet on clouds or they play chess. I don't know. Just, they're just there. They're not, but they're, they're not even interested in the things that's going on in this world. Satan has been turned loose to do anything he wants to do. There's no authority over him. He's running rampant. And, and all these things are in, a, in a, just a, a big mess. But he's going to come back one day and he's going to intersect us right where we are, right in our mess, and he's going to rescue us again and bring us all to heaven. This is going to be a perfect ending story. And man, that's that's horrible theology, isn't it? Because I'm telling you, God's not sovereign if that's the facts that that professor told this young lady. Sovereign God is working in every aspect of our life, every day, of every moment, and not only in mine and your life, but in the entire world. Everything is at his hands and he holds it in his hands. The hearts of kings are like rivers in the hands of the Lord, the scriptures say. So he's he's doing everything and it's all working out exactly the way he wants it to. So I had to set all this up. To get to this passage today, because if we don't know and, and we don't preface it a lot of this stuff, we get hung up, and we get jammed up, especially with some tough scriptures we're gonna look at today. So first Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Uh let's read it. And we'll start reading, and we'll read on down through a few of these, we'll break it down a little bit here and there, uh, and see what the Lord has for us today. So, verse 13, chapter 2, 1 Peter, be subject for the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or governors as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So the first thing he's saying is he's he's going to start this whole theme in these two chat these into two first part of three this ideal of being subject or submitted submission to one another to God mainly right. And so when we look at that, we say, why would he tell us? Now, we've got to remember, uh, he, he says the emperor a couple of times, he, he reminds the people, you need to be subject to these authorities over you, be submissive to these authorities. Remember, this, some of the authorities over them were, were lighting Christians on fire and using them for candles, right? Remember Matt talking about that? How they did, how, how terrible and awful and, and really crude they were to Christians. But he's telling them, let this authority be over you. But as we look at Romans 13, um, and again, if, if you're not a, a, a person who says, well, who, who interprets Scripture? Who, who's the one who's interpreting Scripture? Well, it's Scripture. The Scripture itself, God's Word, is the only authoritative word to discern and to really to interpret what Scripture's saying. But Romans 13, 1 says this, let every person be subject to the governor authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been in, instituted by God. So Peter, knowing, walking with, seeing all the things that happened when Jesus was crucified, all the things that went over, went on there,, he's trying to encourage these Gentiles because it, it still looks like, man, I, don't, I know how to be saved. I just give my life to Christ. And I'm trying to live out this life, but it's difficult because I got this emperor that's doing these things. There's, I got all these, this authority. It feels heavy. And he's saying, give it over to them. Submit to them, those authorities over you. Look at 15. What does it say? For this is the will of God. For by doing so, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom to cover up for evil. Look at this last part, if you highlight or mark, but live as servants of God. Man, I just told you my personality, right? I don't like those, that language. Submit, live as a servant. Because all that feels like it puts you down here low, doesn't it? Feels like it brings you to a place like, well, you're you're asking us to be just doormats. You're asking us to be people who actually set real low. But aren't we supposed to be Christians? We're supposed to be uh, raised up above and this how God's exalted us this place. Yes. And when we live with the authority of God, trying to do His will, trying to please the Lord, He says you're going to submit to these authorities. And I don't even want to open up this can of worms, but I know some of your minds has already gone there. So you're saying everything that's going on in the world right now in our government, with everything, that's, all this, we're supposed to be happy about that? Supposed to be submitted to that? Submit to that authority? Have you watched the news, Brent? This thing's burning down. And you want to submit? Well, according to the Scripture... That's what I'm telling you. Not, not telling you what, because there's days, Deborah leaves sometimes at work and she just kind of looks at the TV, she's walking by, she's like, I don't know how you watch that, this makes me mad. Just, I just walk through the room going to work and you're watching this news and it just makes me mad. But we don't have to be, why? Because God's sovereign. God's in control. He's doing everything he wants to do It's exactly the way he wants to, with Christian people and with lost people. He's in 100% control of all things even our government, even our president, even the things that's going on in Israel. He's in 100% awareness and control, right? So when we see these things, we don't have to get shook. We don't have to think, what in the world? Let's look at verse 17. He lists a few things that he wants us to do when he makes us submit to authorities, but he says, not only that, honor one another. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So he's making these points. He's just saying, here's the things that I want you to do. Honor one another. Man, that means have high regard for one another. And what does Philippians says, don't think more highly of yourself as you, you shouldn't. You should look at others' interests, right? But we're in a broken society that doesn't do that well. I see it all the time. There's rocks out on the front porch over here when we unloaded. I unloaded it yesterday. It's big red rock, Be kind. Isn't that crazy? We've got to have reminders of that to be kind. It's everywhere now. Be kind. We're just trying to get, we're just be kind. Uh, And it's true, man. We need to be kind. We need to honor one another. And it says, love the brotherhood. Do we truly love one another? Do we truly love our brothers and sisters in this room? Do you truly love the church worldwide? Do you want to see it flourish? Are you doing your part? to be crucified in Christ that you no longer live, right? Uh, John 13 says, this new commandment I give you uh, that you love one another. We know that wasn't a new commandment, but he was saying it to his disciples. He's looking right at his disciples and saying, I need you guys to love one another, to not backbite one another, not to worry about who's sitting at the top of the table, but just worry that you're at the table. Love one another, this new commandment, just as i love you you also should love one another and then this is the statement he makes in john 13:34 and 35 by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another this this is probably a big deal with the gentiles they were they man they were they were i would not want to list them all as uh, uneducated people or ruthless people, but they were people that had not had this presence of the Lord and been taught the things of God. And so they were just living as a, as a worldly person, right? But now this new freedom in Christ, they're like, well, I'm a Christian, once saved, always saved. I can do whatever I want to do. And Peter's saying, no, you need to live a life set apart, holy and pleasing to the Lord. You need to put away all these things. You need to start submitting to authority. Honor everyone, love brother, fear God. Do we truly fear God? Do you fear God in here today? That's an important thing to think about. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise instruction. Psalms three eight says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all his inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. You stand in awe of God today? I'm going to tell you, there's things that come in our life that we don't stand in awe of God. We get angry with God. Anybody done that one? Anybody maybe feel that today? There's something going on in your life. And you say, this ain't love. This ain't the God that I signed up to serve. This ain't the person I submitted my life to. He's doing these things that are not pleasant. And I don't like it. And be a matter of fact, I don't think he cares about me anymore. And that's, that's, that's a fact. We do that as humans. And this might have been what was going on with the Galatians. All the people that, that, that was scattered across these, these Gentiles, right? Uh, that they thought, Man, the emperor's lighting Christians on fire, and you say, God loves me, and all I need to do is submit to him, and I'll be good. And he's like, Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Because verse 15, it would, just read, it says, Because the, it's the will of God for us to do that. So you want to be in the center of God's will? Start submitting to authority over you. Start not, stop worrying about the things you can't control, and start knowing that God's in control of all things, right? So. Let's read on. Peter's getting a little bit more personal here. As he, as he keeps moving, right. Verse eighteen: Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only doing good and gentle, but only being good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows. While suffering unjustly. For what credit is you if when sin you're beaten for it, you endure? But when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure. This is the gracious thing in the sight of God. So he really talked about what I just said to you. Like God's going to bring things and allow things in our life that are, that are not pleasant. He, it's not going to be a walk in the park as Christians. Now, if we could keep our minds from our default living in the flesh by this world and, and our default would go to, um, I've been crucified with Christ, it's not only I who live, but Christ who lives in me, this would be an easier thing to do. It would be easier to endure. It would be easier to get these things going and done. So why would he keep saying these things? Some, be submissive, not saying that slavery was a good thing. We don't, probably none of us in this room understands this. Why are we talking about slaves? Why are we saying, man, it's okay, just get a and it's okay. Suck it up. That's not what he's saying. That's not what I'm saying to you today. If you're in some situation that you're being abused and say, man, dude, just get, get over it. It's okay. Look what he says and we keep reading at 21. This, this is the gospel message for us today. 21 for this, you've been called. So he says again, you this is God's will. You've been called you, you know, you, this is honoring to God. Now he says, you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow him in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile. When he suffered, when he, uh, when he, suffered he did not threaten, uh, but continue trusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to our sins and live to righteousness. And here's the Isaiah scripture, right? By his wounds, we've been healed. For well, we are all like sheep. Uh, we were all straying like sheep, but now we return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So man, he, 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 he before he gets too hard and pushes down, and it feels heavy. You're telling me now that I'm a slave, I'm supposed to just take these beatings and be good with it? I'm supposed to submit myself to the authority, of the governance of this land and be okay with it, Brent? He reminds us about Jesus. He reminds us that Jesus not only said, do these things, but he said, I've already went before you and set the example how to do these things. I was spat on. I was crucified. I was mocked. I was made fun of. Even on the cross, they just mocked him and made fun. He didn't call in the legion of angels, did he? What did he do? He died for us. And it's just that simple It's that churchy phrase Well if he died for us Surely we can live for him But I'm telling you It's a difficult thing Christians Right? Anybody think it's easy To be a Christian? It's not If you're trying to live For the Lord It's easy if you pray to prayer And you want your ticket in heaven And you just live However you want to As he talked about earlier Letting your freedoms Do whatever you want to do But if you're really trying To live for the Lord It's difficult It's not an easy task And and probably living in America, we probably have the easiest avenue of being a Christian. Really no persecution. Um, There may be some here and there, but it's just not a hard thing, right? Well, let's keep reading. Chapter 3. Verse 1, likewise, wise, be subject to your own husband, so that even if... Uh, some do not obey the word, so saying, "Okay, wives, be, be subject to your husband. Submit to your husband. If, if he, even if he's not a Christian, that they may be won uh, without a word by your conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct." So we see these scriptures as hard, right? Uh, t- number. Verse 3 Do not let your uh, adoration be external, the braiding of a hair and putting on the gold jewelry and the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be from the, the hidden person of the heart, which is imperishable beauty and gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Or this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. So I think right here, I think it's another check. We're talking to Gentiles because they, underst- they don't know these stories. This is not their ancestors. This is not where they walked from. What does he say? This is some of the things that they hoped for and adorned themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, even to the point of calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So they grouped them into a group of people. Right now, not only you're a Gentile that's separated from the things of God, you're in Christ, but also now you're in this family. You're you're, you're actually a, a sister to Sarah who really set an example what it meant to uh, submit to her husband. And then it goes on to say seven. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives uh, in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of grace. So now it's it's almost said, now we're talking to you husband and wives that are Christians. This is the way you're supposed to, because they're heirs with you so that your prayers are not hindered. So that's a pretty tough scriptures to read this morning. We would probably say, Brent, what in the world? And I'm going to tell you, This is what I did when I looked at this passage. We're in staff meeting. Matt says, hey, bro, can you preach Sunday the 22nd? And can you read this passage and teach this passage? And I was like, you bet. And y'all all know I hadn't looked at this passage yet, right? Correct. And when I looked at this passage, I said, okay. I see what we're doing now. I see exactly what we're doing. Appreciate you, Matt. Go have fun. You and Katie in the mountains looking at the trees. I'll just break down this whole passage of how wives should submit to their husbands, even if they're not Christians. And I'll talk about how the husbands should just look over their wives because of their weaker vessel. Well, I'll just knock that out and we'll get it done and pray and get out of here. <laughs> right? Just, it was something like that I was thinking, right? Uh, but when we look at this, let's do not get stuck. And I told you in the beginning, all these things, I set it up because when we get to these hard things, it's like, what in the world are you talking about here, dude? I just want to skip over this real quick. And let's just get onto this mother things. But we can't do that, right? If we teach through the Bible. We've got to teach all the lines. We've got to talk through all the things. But we can't interpret this. I could say some things that might make us feel good. It might, might make it feel so abrasive. It might not feel it so heavy today when we leave here. But we can't do these things. We have to let this, the text really is hard. So we have to let scriptures interpret this scripture. And, and, and I'm, I'm just telling you, this is things that culturally was going on that was said. That was There's a lot of things, right, in all this we just read but I want to help us today so we don't get stuck and so that we leave here going, I, I see what God said to me, okay? So Ephesians chapter five, let's turn there. This is a passage I always use, okay? Always using in a message. If, you've, if I've ever performed your wedding vows with you, done your wedding for you, I've done it. If you've ever attended a wedding that I've done, this passage was in here, right? I had a friend back home and he would, uh, he would say, They'd be doing something. They'd get in an argument. We was always doing something. He was always aggravating, and his wife would get frustrated with him. And he'd say, now, Tam, do I need to get out the Bible and read to you uh, Ephesians 5.22? Of course, if you, if you read your Bible, and we're fisting to read it, you can turn there, 5.22. What does it say? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So that's what he was saying. Submit. And, and she'd say, boy, get that crap out of me and keep reading, right? Keep reading. That's what we're going to do this morning. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Uh, his body and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to everything to their own husbands. Let's, let's pay attention to the, their own husbands and their husbands and not, not women submitting to all men, Right? That's the reason why you come in a covenant relationship with God, we're submitting to God, and wives are asked to be submitting to their own husbands. But it goes on to 25, and this is the place where my friend never really got. He didn't like this. Tammy knew this one, right? Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for. Pretty big order now, guys. So we, we, 22 starts to look a little bit easier, ladies, Okay. That he himself might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. How are we doing on that one, guys? How are we doing there? Are we presenting our wives holy and perfect before the Lord, and we've washed her with the word, we've prayed over her, and again... I told you from the beginning, I'm not a good person to teach this. I don't do this well with my wife 90% of the time. I try to do these things and just let one little thing get off. And what's the first person I yell at? My wife. I don't know why. It's not an excuse. It's just facts. She's sitting over being nice like, "Eh, she knows. And we talk about it a lot because it's, it's, it's a thing that I don't understand. The thing I love the most is the thing I feel like doesn't, Take first place, like Jesus is the first place in my life. The way I treat my wife is really what I really believe about Jesus. This is what this, all this passage is saying to us. And this is what Peter was trying to say to us too. Let's keep reading. In the same way, husbands should love their wives in 28 as their own bodies. He, he Who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are all members of this body, therefore man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Here it is. You ready? Look at your Bibles. Mark this one. This is gold for us today because this is what matters. Look at 32. For this mystery is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ in the church. So here it is. The theological lesson, wrapping it up. The way we submit to authority over us, the way we submit to one another. Paul said that in the beginning of chapter five, right? Submit to one another out of reverence for the Lord. The way we submit to our spouse—if you're married, your wife submitting to husbands, husbands submitting to the Lord. As we do that, it draws a picture. Remember this picture I talked about in the beginning. What kind of picture would somebody paint of you if they looked at your life? What would they paint? Well, this this scripture is really saying not only husbands and wives, but really the way we treat everybody is this picture that we're painting for the world on display. So how are you doing? How's your picture looking? How is it coming out for you in these things? that the Lord's asked us to do. He's called us to do. So, here's our takeaway. Our life matters. Everything matters we do. It's not just by happenstance, it's not just by we just live world and do what we want to do because we're gonna to go to heaven one day, no. Our life matters to God. And listen, your life's painting a picture to the world is it a picture that glorifies God? Is it a picture that you ain't even started painting yet? I don't know. Maybe you haven't figured it out. Maybe you're still trying to figure it out. Maybe you made mistakes and you wadded your picture up and threw it in the trash and you really ain't started again. Today's the day to start again. Maybe some of you don't even know the Lord. Maybe some of you say, I don't, friend, I don't even know. I don't even know if I've surrendered and submitted myself to Christ. Our prayer partners will be in the back this morning, okay? And they gather back there for this reason, so that when we hear the words preached, even though they're hard, even though they're difficult, even though it talks about, Brent, you don't know my husband. Brent, you don't know my wife. You don't know my boss. You don't know the. Are you watching? Are you even paying attention? And I'm telling you, I'm trying to. But Here's what I will factually say to you. God's in control of all these things. And he knows you today. And our prayer partner's there to pray with you, to listen to you, to intercede with you. Uh, if you don't know Jesus, today's a good day. Surrender, wave your flag, give over, and then you're able to do these things much easier. Still hard, but much easier, right? And some of you may just be, man, I'm in a perfect place today. Brent, I come in here, dude, about to high off the ground, halo going, it's great. My, li- my life, is great. I don't want to always put on us as Christians, oh, it's got to be gloom and doom. We've got to beat you down and make you repent. No. You, maybe you're in a good spot. Man, rejoice this morning. Be glad. This is a day that the Lord has made, right? Go pray with our prayer partners. Encourage them by praying with them. P- pray with others because this is what it means to love one another in the body, right? So let's pray together. See what God does. Father, we thank you so much that we can take hard passages. I thank God that um, without your leading of the Holy Spirit to teach us what's right, they're difficult. They're hard to hear. Um, Jesus, thank you for that example that you set because we could stand up here and say, this is what you should do and follow Jesus And Jesus, if you hadn't took the hard road, it might not make sense to us today. But today we have to look at your life, Jesus. So thank you for the cross. Thank you for the the persecution and suffering that you endured so that we may have this life, that this life is now hidden in your life and that we we can find joy in that even when we suffer, even when things are wrong, even when things are off the rail and our life feels like it's burning down. We can look to you and you give us hope. Give us courage to get up and move forward. So I don't know, Holy Spirit, what you're doing in the lives of people this morning, but I do ask that you move in a powerful way. In your name we pray, Jesus.